Oh my goodness, what a week of Big 12 football. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We have so many of you rolling into the show on Facebook Live. We're up on YouTube as well. Of course, find us there. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel and our friends on the podcast. That's where this whole show started. Rate, review, subscribe. We so appreciate you guys being here and being a great part of this show. Was that fun or was that freaking fun? I, okay, you heard me right. All right. I gave you the PG version, but you know that was as fun as I did, right? That week two. You had 14 hours of Big 12 football on Saturday. Started off at 11 a.m. It ended at 1 a.m. With Big 12 after dark, of course, with uh, Baylor on the road taking on BYU in a future Big 12 showdown. Uh, that was an outs- I was exhausted. Now, I'm not usually up that late. I got a bunch of little kids. Uh, so, you know, when you're like me, you got little kids, you're not staying up till 1 a.m. doing really anything unless you're waking up in the middle of the night to help one of the kids. I was watching football straight through and it was so much fun. So normally I do this in order of the games and when they happen and just go from there. I, I just can't do that this week. I need to start in conference play and I need to start with the Kansas Jayhawks beating the West Virginia Mountaineers in overtime 55-42. to What a game for KU. They trailed 14-0 after the first quarter and then they just lit things up. Between the second and third quarters, KU outscored West Virginia 35-14. to Think about this. Think about this Kansas football team and where it's been over the last decade to decade and a half. This team gets down, even after a big win last week, this team gets down 14-0 opening up conference play in the first quarter. What do you think they're thinking? Here we go again. But they weren't. They weren't. Lance Leipold has this team and has this program believing in a way that they haven't in literally almost 15 years since the Mark Mangino era. And there's a viral video of Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, saying after the game, it's gone viral off the KU football uh, Twitter page. It's up on our Twitter page as well, Heartland College Sports. Just search us there and follow us there as well. Uh, you've got video of Jalen Daniels yelling into the camera after that win. It's a new era. We here, it's a new era. We here, it's a new era. And you know what? It does feel like yesterday was the unofficial beginning of that new era. If you want to go back to the Kansas game last year, I'm not going to quibble with that. But winning this game, starting off 2-0 for the first time since 2011, winning the Big 12 opener for the first time since 2009, these are the kind of things that haven't happened for Kansas football in years. You've got kids in middle school Right, who haven't seen this from Kansas football. Think about that. Put that into just perspective here. These guys did not feel sorry for themselves. They didn't say, oh, that Tennessee Tech win was nice. They were down 14 nothing and came storming back. That is a huge credit to Lance Leipold and him instilling belief into these guys that this is a new era, this is a new time. And uh, there is a great video that somebody else uh, put together. We shared it up on my actual personal Twitter page at Pete Mundo. 
And it's somebody putting that uh, game-winning interception in overtime to the theme song uh, Titanic, and it is just gold. If you're a Kansas fan, heck, if you're a college football fan, you'll appreciate it. You won't if you're a West Virginia fan. But if you're a college football fan, you will appreciate that. So be sure to go check it out. I am just, I'm genuinely so happy for these guys. I'm happy for this program. I got that pick wrong against the spread. I did. As much as I liked KU after week one, I got the pick wrong against the spread. I had to see it to believe it. And uh, boy, did we see it. We saw it in a big way on Saturday night. And Jalen Daniels is becoming a leader. You're seeing that in front of your eyes. And uh, it is just refreshing to watch out of the Kansas Jayhawks and how they're going about doing things right now. And, and Daniels is great on the ground. He's getting better every week as a passer as well. It is uh, great for Kansas football. And they're good in the trenches. I mean, Kansas football, 200 rushing yards on the day. I mean, they were rolling with that offensive line and uh, that running attack. Now for West Virginia, this is a meltdown. Neil Brown is 0-2. Neil Brown is on the hot seat. And his seat, frankly, should be red hot. It is fair, if you are a West Virginia fan, to say, I don't know if Neil Brown is the guy anymore. I would not blame you one bit for feeling that way. And not that, you know, this is not the Kansas team of yesteryear, as we've talked about. It's not a bad team by any stretch, but you're still 0-2. In two games that you found yourself, um, you know, leading in. In the pit game, you know, you can question some of the decision-making at the end. The fourth and short in the fourth quarter could have put that game away. And then, you know, when you're leading the worst team in the Big 12 for the last decade, 14 nothing after one, and your guys just fall apart, that's on the coaching staff. It has to be. You're paid millions of dollars. I like that is and and once again it's a huge credit to Kansas but if you're West Virginia you're still up 14 nothing after the first quarter at home home opener against a team that uh you know has has been the worst team in Power 5 football for the better part of a decade. I know this is a different team but still you've got to put that team away. You have to do it. And Neil Brown failed failed miserably in that task in getting his guys to do it. There's nothing else to say. It's a bad performance. And he's got to rack off you know, a few wins, but find me where those wins are. Like, if you're a West Virginia fan, find me the Big 12 wins on the schedule that you feel good about. Yes, they're going to win some games. But if Neil Brown goes 3-6 and six in Big 12 play, he's not going to make a bowl game. Because the best he can do is 2-1 and one in non-conference play, right? That's the best he can do now because they lost the pit. So he's going 5-7. and seven. Does 5-7 and seven get Neil Brown another year? He's got an enormous buyout. I think I saw some people tweeting about it last night. It was like 20 mil or something huge. I don't know if the Mountaineers have that kind of dough. They're not Nebraska that just canned Scott Frost here earlier today. But, um, boy... I, I, if you, I, I'm just saying, if you're a West Virginia fan, I am sympathizing with you and for you because you're now 0-2, you should be 2-0, and and you finally got a quarterback, and, um, you know, Neil Brown better start winning some games. We'll put it that way. All right, let's go to uh, and bounce around the rest of the conference here. I'm going to go back to the early part of the day. I just had to start off with Kansas and uh, 
West Virginia because it was the first conference game and because of what that game was all about and what it meant. Texas and Alabama. You know, I never thought I'd say what I'm about to say. And I know many of you that are not Texas fans won't feel an ounce of sympathy, but Texas got screwed in that game. Texas got absolutely screwed in that game by the officials. That was as bad of an officiating performance in a big game as I have seen in a very long time. On that Bryce Young, on the game-winning drive, Bryce Young had that run down the right side for 20, 30 yards that ended up putting them in field goal position. There was a massive holding call by Alabama on the right side of the offensive line that just wasn't called. And, I mean, it was clear as day. If you were an official on that side of the ball, you had to have seen that. That was as bad of a miss call as I've seen. And that was only one of many. I mean, there were plenty other examples here that you can look to where you say to yourself, what were they thinking? What were they seeing or shall I say not seeing in this game? There was a massive face mask hold that was missed on Alabama early in the game. The, uh, I think it was actually the first score of the game for Texas. They settled for a field goal. There was clearly holding in the left side of the end zone on a fade route to, I think it was worthy. And you're like, what are they watching? You know, I mean, that's how Alabama plays, though. They, they force officials to throw the flag against them, knowing that they likely aren't going to do it. That's what they do. So if Texas thinks it's going to the SEC and getting the benefit of the doubt like it did in the Big 12, those days are over. Uh, you you got a glimpse into the future there with that game. That's what you got, and I understand if you're frustrated by it, you have every right to be frustrated by it if you are um, a Texas football fan. You lost the game 2019, should have won the game. Quinn Ewers, it turns out, is out four to six weeks with a strained uh, SC joint is what we reported, what we saw earlier. Uh, Pete Thamel, ESPN, had the official first report. So, uh, you know, you're going to have to go to Hudson Card. He was on a bum leg. And, you know, Quinn Ewers was lighting up that defense in the first quarter. He was 9-12 over 100 yards. He was money in that first quarter. Absolute money. And then he gets injured on a big hit. I didn't think it was a dirty hit at all. But still, you know, if you're a, a Texas fan, that one stings. You were 20-point underdogs. I picked you to cover. I didn't think it would be that close. Not going to lie. But Texas had that game. And in large part, I thought the officials screwed them. I know it's part of the game, especially at the college level. But boy, that was, oof, that one really hurt. Really, really hurt for Texas. And uh, But here's the thing. If you're Texas and you watch that performance yesterday, if you're a Texas fan, you got to feel like this is a team that should be able to get you to a Big 12 championship. If this team goes 8-4 and four after that performance, that's a huge letdown. Huge, huge letdown for this team. There's no questions about it. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. Let's continue here, and uh, let's go to the other early game of the day. Missouri and Kansas State. How about the old Big 12 North showdown? How about uh, Missouri? Boy, are they just sucking wind in the SEC. I was so glad, and I'm always glad to see a Big 12 team you know, light up an SEC team like that. Where were the SEC chants yesterday? I'm kidding. K-State fans, you did a great job of that. Well done. I, I heard those SEC chants through the tube. I heard them. They were beautiful. You guys were awesome. I love it, love it, love it. 
<laughs> oh, gosh. So K-State rolls Mizzou. Mizzou looked awful. K-State was just on fire, racking up 235 rushing yards. Deuce Vaughn continues to show me that he is the most explosive player in this league. 24 carries, 145 yards, couple of scores. I was surprised at how soft Mizzou was on the defensive side of the ball, especially against the run. I mean, it was just, oh, boy. That was Bad to watch. Missouri, not good in that department by any stretch of the imagination. All right? And um, I was so thrilled for K-State to hand it to Missouri the way they did. I I thought Missouri would keep it close. I thought K-State would win it outright, but Missouri could cover the eight, eight and a half points, and that was obviously not close to happening. I know you had some weather issues, rain delays, things like that, but uh, still, K-State, Looked very good, especially as well on the defensive side of the ball. They held Missouri to under three yards per carry. That's what you want to do against this team. That's how you win against this team. So uh, you've got to feel very good if you're a K-State fan. Still want to see more from Adrian Martinez, but they haven't needed more of him right now. So don't mess up what's working. Do not mess up what's working. Next up, uh, let's go to, boy, where should we go from here? Uh, let's keep it in order. Let's go to Texas Tech beating Houston. How about those Red Raiders jumped up, jumped out to a big lead. Now they were up 17-3 at halftime. Uh, gave it all back. Game went to double overtime and they beat Houston 33-30. Big win for Joey McGuire. Big win for Joey McGuire and these guys. And they got a lot to be proud of because, you know, Houston had all the momentum. All the momentum as that game was uh, going along. All right? I mean, you think about how that second half went especially, and it was all Cougars. But then Texas Tech did what it had to do. This thing went to overtime, and uh, Red Raiders got it done. Donovan Smith, listen, the guy threw three interceptions on the day. That concerns you. But I understand, you know, if you sit there right now and you're a Texas Tech fan and you're looking at the offensive line, which we knew was going to be an issue. All right, if you're a Tech fan, you knew before the season the offensive line was going to be a problem. And it looked like a problem yesterday. You rushed for under three yards uh, per carry. Houston had five sacks, 13 tackles for loss. That's problematic. And that's only going to be a bigger problem come Big 12 play. But you got to win a big win over a top 25 team despite the fact that you gave a lot of it away in the second half. That's a great step in the right direction for Joey McGuire. And that's a big step for him in just in terms of rebranding what this team is. I think every Tech fan who was in that stadium yesterday was probably thinking to themselves, here we go again. Here we go again. Of course, we got a lead, top 25 team, and we can't close the deal. And I don't blame you if you're feeling that way. I I don't. You've seen that script too many times, right? But when Donovan Smith ran that ball into the end zone for the game-winning score and the fans stormed the field, there was a... I feel like it was more of a sigh of relief. You know, and I'm usually not a storm-the-field kind of guy when you're Texas Tech and you beat, you know, an AAC school and it's, it's barely a top 25 win. But that almost felt like it was just emotion. It was, it was like an emotional lift off the shoulders for Tech fans, and then they just end up storming the field. And I'm, I'm not going to blame them one bit. 
I'm going to support you in that. You deserve that moment. And I'm looking forward to Houston coming into the Big 12. I think Houston, Texas Tech has a chance. It's not going to be like some massive rivalry, but that has a chance to be a sneaky good matchup year in, year out between those two programs. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to that. And kudos to the Red Raiders. Smith did make up for some of his mistakes. And you just want to see that offensive line get better. It's got to get better. It's got to get better entering uh, Big 12 play. I did win the pick, by the way. I know some of you Tech fans were ragging on me. I had Houston plus three and a half. So it's a, that's, that was the perfect outcome for me. I want to see every Big 12 team win its non-conference games. But I also have to be fair with my picks. I had Houston plus three and a half. I won it. So, yeah, glad there's no reason to kick extra points in overtime. I'll put it that way. Uh, what's next? Okay, here we go. It's Cyhawk time. It's Cyhawk time. And before we get to that, people ask me all the time, Pete, how can we support the show? Say all you got to do if you want to support the show. It's very simple. All I ask of you is to support our sponsors. We're never going to charge for this show. All right, we, we're never going to do it. I promise you that. But if you can support our sponsors, that helps us continue to build the show, build our podcast network. We have team-specific podcasts we are rolling out. We've got Kansas. We've got uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Texas Tech, Texas. So we're c- continuing to build out these team-by-team podcasts. So just search Heartland College Sports. And uh, supporting our sponsors is a big way to do it. DraftKings, the wait's over. If you're in Kansas, sports betting is now, yes, here. It's live. And to celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. And yes, it's still week one of the uh, NFL season. So here's the deal with DraftKings if you're in Kansas. Bet on any pro football team of your choice. If your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code HCS to get $200 in free bets. And uh, don't forget, when you place that $5 bet on anything, that's code HCS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help's your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21-plus, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as is free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. All right, Cyhawk, baby. Let's do it. Now, I'm so happy for Matt Campbell. First time he's beaten Iowa. He was 0-5 coming into this game. And I predicted this win, too. I said they'd cover and win outright. I thought it'd be ugly. Wasn't sure it'd be this ugly. Okay? I, neither team, in some ways, deserved to win. But somebody had to. This is what Cyhawk is. It's an ugly game. Uh, the under 40-and-a-half was a lock. And Iowa State gets a 10-7 to victory in this one. I am just uh, thrilled for you guys up in Ames. I know you've been waiting like crazy for this moment. It's really the, the one thing that Matt Campbell hasn't done. He's exceeded expectations in every other way. But he has not, of course, won this Cyhawk game. And he got it done over the weekend. And, you know, he was so nonchalant. But that's just who Matt Campbell is, you know. That's who he is. It's what you expect from him and his team and, and him after a big win. Uh, but, jeez. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, when Iowa got lined up for the field goal, I said we're going overtime. And then they missed it, and uh, Iowa State wins the game 10-7. to Now, we knew Iowa had a very good defense, right? We knew that. But that 21-play, 99-yard drive is going to go down in history in this rivalry. And it should. It, it was so methodical, so smooth. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't that massive play on that drive thinking back to it, right? It was dunking dunk here, a couple of yards there, out route here, uh, Jarrell Brock run here and there. I mean, it wasn't Jalen Knoll was in the mix. It was just a steady wear him down 21-play drive that took nearly 12 minutes, 11 minutes and 49 seconds to be exact. I mean, that is an epic drive. You get the touchdown, and then you force a three and out, which was huge, too, because it put um, Iowa's defense back on the field. Not that anything came of that. But that right there, obviously, was the defining moment of this game. And, of course, it started off with a fumble. It started off with a fumble by Iowa down uh, at the one-yard line. And that just completely turned this game around. Kendall Jackson recovered it, and away we go. So Iowa State getting the win, winning Cyhawk for the first time under Matt Campbell. I'm so happy for you guys in Ames. Celebrate this one and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it because I know you've been waiting on this. And Hunter Decker's had himself a you know solid game, 25 of 38, 184 yards and a score. So all in all, first year starter. In that game, on the road against that defense, you got to be pretty pleased overall with that. And Xavier Hutchinson is, I believe, likely to end the season as the top wide receiver in the Big 12. Uh, dude is that good and obviously a favorite target of Deckers. Next up, next up, a couple of games to get into. The Oklahoma schools. So uh, let's start off with Oklahoma-Kent State. All right, Oklahoma-Kent State went exactly how you would expect it to go. Oklahoma took care of business, did not cover. I was on Kent State plus 33, got that. You don't learn a lot, you know, like some of these games, don't learn a lot about uh, a team like Oklahoma in this situation. But it's a tune-up for Nebraska next week, although Nebraska's a mess, just fired Scott Frost. So OU's non-conference looks really easy now. I mean, OU may have the softest non-conference in the Big 12 when you really think about it. So I don't know how much we're really going to learn about this team until you get conference play started for Oklahoma, which is, you know, K-State in a couple of weeks, then at TCU, then the Red River Showdown. But you're not going to learn much. UTEP, Kent State, at Nebraska next week, that's going to be, a, that could really be a bloodbath. I mean, unless Nebraska, with Scott Frost getting fired, just, you know, shows up to play because he's out of there. But, you know, for Oklahoma, you like what you're seeing across the board. Offensively, Dylan Gabriel is leading the way through the air, 21-28. 300 passing yards, three scores. Rushing attack is Eric Gray, Marcus Major. Marvin Mims, huge game, two touchdowns, 163 receiving yards. And the defense, three sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Jalen Redmond, Reggie Grimes, big days for them. So Oklahoma did what it should have done against Kansas State, not learning a ton there. But obviously, uh, you know, OU fans should feel very good about where things stand right now. Now, Oklahoma State taking care of business against Arizona State. This was my lock of the week. Oklahoma State minus 11. They covered that. 
And this game changed on that fumble early in the second quarter. Arizona State was up 3-0 early in the second quarter. There was a big fumble by Arizona State. It was uh, forced by Brock Martin. Tyler Lacey recovered it for the Cowboys. And that led to the Cowboys getting on the board. And they never looked back. They end up winning the game. So Oklahoma State is uh, really a team that I thought they were going to be thus far in terms of what they've looked like. Questions in the secondary, which are fair to wonder about right now. I'm still... Uh, seeing issues in that secondary, but great on the D-line. Lacey had a really good day. I mentioned, of course, what Brock Martin did as well. Those guys combined for four and a half tackles for loss and a couple of sacks. Colin Oliver got in the mix as well with a sack and a tackle for loss. So they're doing their job up front. You just need that secondary to keep improving every week and getting better and then hoping you can also uh, do enough on the offensive side. And when you've got Dominic Richardson, who looks like he's going to be the third in a lengthy list of featured backs in the Oklahoma State backfield from Chuba Hubbard to Jalen Warren to Dominic Richardson. I feel like this team is in a very strong spot. Sanders was not as good as last week against Central Michigan, but he had himself a solid day. 21-38, couple of scores, uh, 268 yards. He rushed for 50. He ran for a score. So, uh, you know, he's finding... More guys in that wide receiver core with Bryson Green leading the way. Braden Johnson, this guy clearly is one of Spencer Sanders' favorite targets through the first couple of weeks. So all in all, you got to like where Mike Gundy's team is at. Probably going to be in the top 10 this week. And just Mike Gundy, like quietly, quietly continues to just put this team in the top 10. It feels like every year and doesn't get credit for it. Like, Mike Gundy does not get the credit he deserves for what he does with this pro and what he has done with this program. And every year, there's Oklahoma State in the top 10, worst top 15, and, like, they don't get any love. They don't get talked about enough. It's just, it's weird. And I know they're sitting in the shadows of Oklahoma, who's at a top five team, more or less, over the same period of time. But, wow, it is unbelievable how little, I don't want to say respect, but just, Attention, it seems like Mike Gundy gets for year in, year out, having a team that feels like it's consistently right there around number 10, 11, 12 in the country. Uh, Next up, TCU, Tarleton. TCU rolls to a 59-17 victory. Tune up for the Iron Skillet in a couple of weeks. Max Duggan, you know, bad competition, but Max Duggan, uh, did have himself a solid game with Chandler Morris. Of course, he's out with the injury. So Duggan was 23 of 29, five touchdowns, 390 yards, no picks. What you'd want him to do, they spread the ball around very well. 15 guys caught passes on Saturday night for TCU. That's not going to happen in Big 12 play, but it shows you that Sonny Dykes likes the depth that he's got. You had seven guys get carries on Saturday night. So it shows you that Sonny Dykes feels like he's got guys who can um, make plays on this team, who can be contributors on this team, and that's important as he rebuilds that offense. But it's just nice to see TCU put up a 59 spot on the board, even if it get, if it's against Tarleton, and move on to the iron skillet. It is going to be one of the most anticipated iron skillets in quite some time. Of course, Sonny Dykes used to be the head coach before he came over to TCU was the head coach at, uh, at SMU. 
So they got a week off, and then that game is going to be played in a couple of weeks, and it's going to be a good one. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun, that iron skillet coming up. But TCU, not a ton to take away in this game, just doing what you would expect them to do. Uh, last but not least, Baylor losing at BYU. I didn't forget anybody, right? Because I know I forgot Baylor last week against Albany, and that was my bad. I just had a brain fart. So now I'm like paranoid I'm going to forget some game, but I haven't forgotten any games. Baylor losing at BYU. Uh, let me say this. Uh, as a Big 12 guy, I cannot wait for Provo, Utah to be part of the Big 12. That place plays so well on TV. You BYU fans, if we have BYU fans who are now part of the show because they're looking forward to the Big 12. If you are a BYU fan, you guys show so well. That atmosphere looks amazing. And if I'm a big if I was a Big 12 coach last night and my game was done and I'm just kind of in the background, I've got Baylor BYU on just kind of looking at what happens and what happened in that game. You know what I'd be doing? I'd be like, "Holy cow, that is not a place I want to play." That is not a place that I want to spend any time on the road at night in a tough atmosphere. That is a great scene in Provo. Great scene. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of BYU football. I, as I noted earlier on the show, you know, two little kids, by the time the Big 12's over, I'm not watching a lot of those late night games. Just not. I'm a Big 12 guy. But I've been, you know, going to make an effort this year to watch more BYU starting last night with that Baylor game. That was incredible. What a scene. And, uh, you know, BYU proved that they have got, I mean, the, the defense was outstanding. Uh, the offense, I mean, Jaron Hall is just a tough, tough guy at, uh, at quarterback. And I'm watching this and I'm saying, you know, BYU, I think BYU, uh, excuse me, I think Baylor is in the trenches, uh, the best team in the Big 12. I may be proven wrong on that, but BYU was right there with them, if not better. If not better. Uh, four sacks against Blake Shapin. Six tackles for loss. Multiple QB hurries throughout the night. Uh, Shapin was never comfortable, and I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in this league. So I was so impressed, more so, I mean, even more so by the BYU defense than I was the offense. The offense was also missing a couple of its top receivers, and they still got the job done. So it was an ugly game uh, for the most part, and then obviously ends up going to double overtime. Both teams missed field goals in the first overtime. That's always dramatic. And, uh, I mean, it was just an outstanding, outstanding look ahead to the Big 12 and what it's going to be. All right? I mean, that's that's really what it was. That's how I looked at this game. And, you know, here's the thing, too. To make the TV networks happy, a lot of the BYU games are going to be at night. I hope it's not that late. I hope they're not 9.15 Central Time starts. Because I also think that's unfair to the road team, you know, when you're starting a game that late. When you're starting a game at 9.15 Central Time, you know, what time is Baylor getting back to Waco last night? Four, five in the morning? Like, that, that's going to play a role. You want to talk about having a hangover game, and, and you want to talk about covering spreads. I, I would be betting against teams in the future Big 12. I would be betting against teams the week after they have to go on the road to BYU. 
because you're going to get home. You know, when's West Virginia going to get home from a road trip to BYU? I know it's not going to happen every year or every other year, but like that's if you want to talk about bets to watch, that's a bet to watch in the future Big 12 road or teams that go on the road to BYU and then come home the next week. I would, and then God forbid if you have back to back road games, BYU on the road, then somebody else on the road, that is brutal. That shouldn't happen. They, they should make sure scheduling-wise that doesn't happen. Because 9.15 Central time, I mean, you get these Baylor guys, uh, they're playing like it's 1 a.m. in the morning. They're literally, it's 1 a.m. in the morning, and these Baylor guys are supposed to be, you know, playing high-level football. That's tough. That's really tough. That changes your entire day and how you schedule your day and how you prep for that game. So I, but I am so thrilled and so excited for this uh, this league and its future. And BYU is going to be a great part of it. Tough loss for Baylor, but obviously a team that can still very much win the Big Twelve. Uh, let's go to the comments on Facebook Live, Pete. Who do you think BYU will have a rivalry with? I think Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, even K State. No, I think it's going to be BYU. I think it's going to be Baylor. Like I think it's going to be the religious schools. I don't know. So I could see kind of that religious school matchup being interesting. I don't see Oklahoma State or Cincinnati. K-State, maybe. But I see BYU and Baylor, the most religious institutions in this league, becoming a pretty good rivalry. If you want to throw TCU in there, sure. But I'd, I'd lean BYU and uh, Baylor being a good rivalry going forward. Uh, Pete, this is from Jeff. How hot is Neil Brown's seat? We've trusted the client for four years. It should be red hot. If he doesn't get to a bowl game, how do you keep Neil Brown? I, I talked about it earlier in the show, uh, Jeff, but I think the buyout's like 20 mil, so it's a massive buyout. I don't know if they got that money around Morgantown to make it happen with the right boosters, but I agree. I mean, you've been told to trust the client for four years. You're 0-2, and you lost him bad fashion on both games. It's not a good look. Neil Brown's seat should be red hot right now, red hot. And I'll leave you with this. We'll get into more of this in a future show. Keep an eye on future Big 12 guys, or on current Big 12 guys, maybe being talked about about the Nebraska job. All right, does Matt Campbell's name come into the mix? Lance Leipold, Chris Kleiman. Does Nebraska want a pipeline back to Texas, Sonny Dykes? I, just saying, not saying it's, it's a guarantee by any stretch, but I would just keep an eye on the names now that Nebraska's fired Scott Frost. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. There's your week two reaction show. Appreciate you guys so much. If you're on the podcast, leave that rating, review, subscribe. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review. For a free Heartland College Sports koozie on YouTube, like it, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We're building the video side. I promised you that before the season. We're doing it now. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And our sponsors at DraftKings, use our promo code if you're in Kansas, HCS. All right, get free bets out the wazoo. What more can you ask for? Bet $5 on anything, get $200 in free bets with our promo code HCS at DraftKings. We love you guys. Have a great day. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Take care.